Yes, oh. I'm here. Okay, good. I I cannot hear any any background noise yeah. at all. Can hear only your voice. I heard something liquid now, but nothing else. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- that was me opening the window. Oh, okay. Oh, let me uh, let me start the. I've got a backup recording. I usually do. Oh. All right. We are recording today, and uh, we're here with uh, Dr. Massimo Teodorani. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yes. I found a intro at the Science and Non-Duality uh, site, which is one paragraph. Dr. Massimo Teodorani is an Italian astrophysicist and science writer. He received his PhD in astronomy from the Bologna University with specialization in stellar physics. He's been working as a researcher at Naples Observatory at the, and at the INAF Medicina Radio Telescopes, uh, focusing on research about eruptive stars, exosolar planets, and SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. He's an expert in the physics of anomalous plasma phenomena of geophysical interest, which we will talk about. During the last 10 years, he's also explored a possible relationship between quantum mechanics and consciousness, about which he's published several books, in particular um, uh, the last one, which was called The Hyperspace of Consciousness. No, the, the whole extraterrestrial thing is not, uh, not a viable solution to this. We, we need to go through a turning point in the study of, of this whole domain, away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by you know, aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that, the, um, that, this, that this phenomenon is, um, comes, from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information. And the fact that it can interact with us at all suggests that, uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information. Are we uh, go conditioned here? Yes. interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. Mysterioso. 
it's been a long time. Uh, I've I've thought about talking to you. Susan said I should. What about a year ago or more? So yeah, finally, finally we're able to do this. Where are you right now? Where do you live? I'm living in North Italy, in the southern part of North Italy, in Emilia Romagna, in the eastern part of Emilia Romagna, just uh, over the Apennines. So it's North Italy, but the south of North Italy. They make really good, uh, what's it called, culatello there? Yes, correct. (laughs) (laughs) For us, for us, uh, food, uh, good food is um, equivalent to erotism, practically. Then we have uh, good food, uh, culture, erotism, of course. And I'm very happy to live in this region. Wally, not for everything, but um, I'm okay. It's possible to live here very well. Yeah, I, it sounds like it. I've been there a few times. It's, I haven't been there in a while. Last time I was in Italy, I think maybe it was six or seven years ago, maybe longer. Oh, very sure. Yeah. I've been living for most time in Bologna, who is uh, the which is the um, the main main town, main city of my region, that is the main town. At the present time, I'm living in the same region, but more to the east, mm-hmm. in Cesena, which is a um, 100,000 inhabitants. And, and, okay, but I want to go back to Bologna. Why? Because you want to be near the city more? Or that's where you work? Uh, well, uh, I work in a very strange way because uh, uh, I've been... Uh, um, um, working as a researcher for many years after my PhD, and uh, sometimes they called me to give lectures uh, of physics mostly at several departments, uh, not only in Bologna but also in Turin, uh, mm. um, everywhere uh, in, uh, in in North Italy. Sometimes also in Rome, but I prefer North Italy. Oh, I see. Yeah, I like I like Northern Italy uh, better. I've been I haven't been too much south. Uh, pretty much too much south of Rome, uh, you know, all the tourist places. Sometimes, once, one time I uh, came from Greece and we landed at uh, Brindisi, I think, and yes. uh, came, came up uh, from there. But that, that's too, not too much experience with southern Italy, mostly northern. The reason I'm talking to you is because um, Susan told me I should, and a few other people I did uh, told me I should too, because of your interest in uh, some of these same subjects. But I've never really had somebody on that's a, a doctoral level. Uh, credentialed scientist to talk about the UFO subject. Well, first of all, why are you even interested in such a thing? Because most scientists kind of shy away from it. No, of course, because we are living in a society that is mostly based on gossip, <laughs> and uh, science is not an exception, so the academia is not an exception. Um, in reality, mm, several of Colleagues are interested in that, but they don't speak very much. Well, how, why was I interested? Well, first, because since my youth, I, I had very strange experiences, and uh, which shocked me quite much. And uh, uh, they shocked me so much that uh, I found myself the medicine to feel well, because I think that people who have been uh, approached by some kind of uh, phenomena, which I think they are mostly mental, um, are not able to, to relieve. I wanted to, to heal myself uh, um, doing uh, mathematical studies. And this worked very well. 
uh, I did my work, my degree, and then my PhD work, and then all, all the work that were research that came then, when suddenly an illumination came to me. And this was very strange because it was a, at a free market in Modena, in my region. Mm-hmm. And I was searching for UFO books because I was completely mad. I was collecting. I got practically something like 7,000, 8,000 UFO books <laughs> from every language. You know, I was a UFO maniac. Practically, I don't mean Dr. Jekyll, who was making astrophysics, but it, I'm, I'm meaning... Uh, um, Mr. Hyde, the, the second part. So, well, one day I took all these books, I collected all of them, I read none, and when I started to read them, uh, uh, suddenly I started to uh, to snore because they were <laughs> absolutely uh, they were absolutely boring, <laughs> a, a mere collection of uh, telltales. Some are interesting, but there is no guidance. Uh, no critical guidance to them, no uh, attempt of interpretation that is out of any kind of faith that can be a uh, believer or skeptical. No, nothing, uh, nothing. But I found some very good books uh, anyway, and uh, I thrown away to the, um, to, the, to the fire most of my UFO books, but I kept 10 of them. Oh, yeah. I'm just, which which I'm, ones? To interrupt you, I'm sorry, which ones did you keep? Uh, yes, uh, I kept uh, the, um, I don't remember the exact title, but the first book written by Professor Heineck. Yeah. Uh, I kept the um, Passport to Magonia by Dr. Vallet. I kept another book of uh, Vallet and Heineck. And then I kept the one about Harold um, uh, Rutledge's uh, investigation oh, yeah. in the Yakima Reservation, which is very interesting because he's a colleague, and he did the first uh, attempt of measuring uh, the, the um, strange light phenomenon. Yeah. I kept also some of them. I don't remember because I did not look uh, at them anymore. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you that uh, right after uh, the end of my PhD, I realized that uh, they are ve- they were very boring. Sometimes it was like reading science fiction. It was pleasant, so. But I wanted something concrete, mm-hmm. and so I asked myself. I was in a free market, as I told you, yep. and suddenly, by synchronicity, I don't know what, uh, I was uh, looking at books there, and one book fell from from the from the shelf, and that book was by uh, Jenny Randall's UFOs and Science, mm. uh, which opened to a specific page. Page mentioning the project as done by uh, Professor Erling Strand. Yeah. Well, from that time on, namely 1993, a, a, a true adventure started and developed, uh, even if there were um, problems or everything, but developed. My goal is to see, was to see how astronomy like techniques can help us to get. Uh, data, namely numbers coming from instruments, so that we can make some physics about them. So I did a, a project which used also military-like instrumentation, like opto-electronic systems that replaced all the missiles and, and cannons with sensors 
like uh, CCD cameras and uh, uh, spectrographs, uh, magnetometers, uh, uh, VLF and uh, microwave spectrometers. This was a first project. Then mission started. Yes, um, but uh, before there was a congress in 1994 in Sdalen, which uh, permitted me to get in touch with these people and other scientists uh, all over the world. It was dedicated to the ball lightning phenomenon. So mm -hmm. it, the word UFOs uh, were mentioned, but um, mostly in an ironical way. What we want is, I know that that phenomenon exists because I've seen with my own eyes, but I want to make so that this phenomenon is demonstrated with formulas, with graphs, with charts, so that people is sure that something is really happening. First of all, does it exist? Secondly, how does it work? Well, we tried. I tried. There were a lot of, uh, I, I don't say, uh, Indiana Jones is uh, mostly like a noon compared to what happened to me. <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, something came out. We didn't uh, understand how the phenomenon is working because we have been uh, developing several speculations about the mechanism that it is uh, containing, that is confining the plasma, uh, which is the biggest uh, mechanism uh, of great interest for physics. And uh, then... Um, we were, I was able to understand how quantitatively the phenomenon is behaving there. The, uh, I, mean, I don't mean structured crafts in the sky. No, I no, you're talking about uh, plas plasma type uh, uh, yeah, exactly. uh, uh, phenomena that are uh, apparently natural, at least in that area in Hestel. Apparently they are natural and uh, the, there is no structure, but there are some strangeness of which I was a witness. Uh, uh, a few times, not a lot of times, but a really a few times, I noticed that there there are two kind of phenomena: something that is um, apparently natural, plasma-like, of uh, long lasting lights, uh, of which was able to to measure the radiant power up to 20 kilowatts, and uh, using some instruments. And uh, then I was. Um, uh, what is that now? Let me close the window. It's, I think it's the garbage people. Ah, okay, okay. No, I thought you, you had the bison inside your home or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. I think they're going to the next house, so it won't be as loud. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 don't worry. It's, it's, it's a very nice uh, music background, ambient music. <laughs> Which we will talk and, about. And, and, so, and so, well, we were, I was able to understand how the phenomenon behaves in a very systematic way. It's very strange because the luminosity of those lights is varying all the time. And uh, I thought it was because they inflate, you know, and luminosity increases. No, it's not because of that, but it's because uh, uh, suddenly around the nucleus of plasma, a cluster of many other plasma balls form. And uh, we don't know why. Of course, I, I, I did a lot of speculation about the physics. Uh, I invented the, the mini star model for this, where you have a central force that is keeping the plasma uh, uh, in, in, attracted the light like a star, mm -hmm. preventing 
from expanding and so on, from cooling, and so physically uh, able to uh, to live for a very long time, up to two, uh, two hours. And uh, Professor Handling Strand is a pioneer, and also Professor Bjorn Hauge, and also some witnesses like uh, Leif Havik, for instance, uh, Peter Skugas, uh, and several Norwegian that have recorded a lot there. Well, there was also, there was this physical phenomenon, very strange, which once changed its shape. Um, I remember during um, professional video recording, there was suddenly three lights very close to the ground, one of which changed shape from uh, amorphous light, uh, spheric, approximately spherical shaped, to a perfectly rectangular uh, thing. And uh, I, well, I was astonished. I thought it was a pixelation effect of the camera. Well, when, when I went uh, to analyze the, that, uh, uh, I counted uh, not uh, eight pixels inside, but uh, just uh, something like uh, 300, 400. So it was real. And it was uh, uh, also compared with a um, camera uh, um, photo that was taken, conventional camera, that was more smooth rectangle. The reason was because there were many other small light bulbs that were going around this, uh, this sort of rectangle. Of course, uh, I should have never told about that because, you know, the new ager started to say, oh, of course, you found out a portal. They come out from the door and uh, <laughs> all the rest. Uh, so I should have never tell. Something else happened. Uh, we saw something triangular in the sky that was really structure look looking but they cannot exclude that it was a one kind of skunk works there there was a little light uh, that was uh, something uh, it was uh, it was uh, elliptical uh, about uh, three feet uh, wide and i approached there um, only a little and i was able to take a photo i don't know what 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 it was but it was looking like a giant firefly so there are several phenomena there. I don't know if there's a selection effect caused by the fact that, that we were always looking at the sky, and so everything comes in. But uh, it was it was interesting. Uh, well, we didn't discover what this phenomenon is. We we know uh, what can uh, triggers it, like uh, pythoelectricity. Then there was a new theory by my colleagues uh, from the Radio Telescope Medicina, Yadav Monari, for instance, which is very interesting. Thinking it is uh, uh, some materials, some minerals like. A stain and copper and something else and the river are working like a natural battery so triggering electricity and uh, and then and then uh, um, putting fire on the air creating plasma but it's not sufficient to explain how this kind of plasma light are self-contained for a so long time so we need a, confi a confinement mechanism it's yeah. very important for the physics of course I didn't uh, I, I I plainly am, am sincere uh, of course I have always been fascinated by the extraterrestrial visitation theory I published uh, quite uh, a number of papers including some peer-reviewed ones about SETI mm -hmm. but 
um, well, I don't think that this kind of phenomenon is related to a possible visit of, uh, of Earth. I, I have a feeling that this is uh, belonging to Earth and since uh, a very long time, and that all, uh, all the fantasies, nuts and bolts fantasies, in addition to be, uh, to be uh, a good reason for business of some guys that we know, all know in the UFO circles, uh, that one is uh, many hoaxes, and I, I saw many, and I, I, I was also at the bunker sometimes, uh, but not like a dog, dogma, dogmatic uh, Xicopian, because I am yeah. not. But I'm, I have some, I work on a parallel path. So, well, what to say? Uh, 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 I all these to- things you were seeing was that uh, the, uh, you were just describing the, these uh, plasma um, phenomena. That was Hestalin, right? Yes, it was Hestalin. I have a question but, about that. Did it seem to yeah. did it seem to interact with the people that were there? Meaning, the observation caused them, or that the people's attitudes towards it changed it, or anything like that? Was there, there was a was there a connection between the ideas, the consciousness, whatever you want to call it, of the researchers and the phenomena you looked at? You seem to suggest that by what you were saying. I have been I have been thinking a lot about that because. Here, we don't have measurements about this, but right. uh, uh, we, uh, I heard some witnesses uh, who told that uh, they felt an, um, an inter- mental interaction. And physically, the only thing that I know for sure, which is coming from Erlingstrand Project as done in 1984, re- technical report, they uh, aimed a laser beam powerful laser beam against one of those phenomena which was pulsing and all the times that they were aiming the laser the light phenomenon was answering changing the pulsation rate so there was an interaction but not in the sense that of the you know Stephen Greer or others I mean not not in that way right right I don't think but, I, I hope I wasn't suggesting that. I was just saying if yeah, anybody no, noticed that there was a you know some sort of interaction of int- that seemed like there was an intention on there it or something was, like that. There was yes, and not only there, but also uh, I have known some because this kind of phenomenon uh, is um, uh, happening also in the in the Apennines of my of my region. Mm. So the southern part of my region, there are three hosts. Hotspots. I spoke with some people who plainly told me the phenomenon, which I looked at, was staring, was communicating with me by mind. So they told this, but they told, please don't tell anyone because I don't want any publicity. These people is absolutely out of any uh, wish uh, to be famous. They are very humble. But uh, yes, statistically, there is a lot uh, about telling that there is uh, some kind of interaction. And uh, I did a project uh, with my colleague, uh, uh, which I presented uh, in the year 2007 in Salzburg at the conference Quantum Mind, because in the meantime, I was interested in quantum mechanics and in the connection between quantum mechanics and consciousness. We elaborated the project, which is very feasible. Uh, if there is a real interaction between 
the the person, the observer, and the observed, we can measure that because we can use two sets of instruments. One that is measuring the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, CCD cameras, uh, uh, spectral uh, magnetometers, and one that is measuring uh, the brain of the observer using uh, an electro encephalographer. Uh, EEG, yeah. yes, which we used once but with uh, no success meanwhile. So you measure simultaneously uh, uh, the, the observer and the, and the observer. And then you aim a laser beam against the plasma ball and if and, and verify if the plasma ball is a changing light uh, color or not. At the same time, we verify if there is a, a changement in the brain wave of the, of the brain of the person. So we, in this case, we would have a confirmation or a confutation that there is a really an interaction and at a mind or consciousness level. So something like mind-matter interaction. I am very cold in these things. I'm not a believer, but I am very curious and I want to investigate. We have all the um, projects to do that. The only thing that is missing is money funding, of course. Yeah. So what is the um, connection? Is there any, you think, between uh, something that people see up close, like something structured, apparently, that a lot of people talk about, and this light phenomena you're talking about? It seems like in in a lot of ways, there's actually, in in very specific ways, these are uh, different different phenomena going on. They are apparently different, but uh, uh, I don't think they're really different because it's something which I learned. Uh, then learned um, in time, very much thanks to Susan Demeter, who who, ta- who taught me a lot of things. Uh, um, well, apparently we have a plasma-like phenomena, and then we have structured phenomena. I have uh, seen both, mm-hmm. and not only in Stalin, but uh, I think. Uh, that uh, well, regarding the witness uh, telltales, uh, uh, I think that there is some mechanism that uh, changes the mind of the observer and the observer sees what he, uh, he wants to see. And it is um, shaped by the culture of the time. In the past, uh, they were seeing uh, um, flying, uh, uh, flying uh, witches uh, on their brooms, now there's look or drakes, and now they're seeing a structure object. It's something that uh, interacts with the mind. I believe that the mind is be constructing a lot of things, uh, a lot of things uh, according to the culture of the time. And in this case, I'm very close to uh, Jacques Vallée uh, hypothesis, which is extremely interesting. And this taught me uh, to be more humble in this research because. I, I wasn't even able to scorch, not even the tip of an iceberg, a huge iceberg, <laughs> uh, uh, all of which is uh, under uh, under the water. And I realized, uh, oh, of course, it seems I would betray my research, but no, I don't betray my research, which is always very fixed, and I, I continued uh, a lot. But I realized that really the biggest mystery probably is the witness of the phenomenon. And I have doubted that any kind of UFO phenomenon can occur 
without a witness uh, in, in the field. Uh, so we, we can do this testing because we can, you know, we, we can put a, an automatic measurement station, which we project uh, for a long time, and see if out of any witness some light, strange lights occur in the sky. Probably yes. But there is something, the biggest interest is in the psychological, maybe parapsychological, and I'm open-minded, even if I'm rigorous, but I'm open-minded, uh, uh, coming out from the consciousness of, of the witness, triggered by what, I don't know. But uh, we have to learn to, to study better the witness, uh, maybe using chaos theory, uh, Susan, uh, um, did a, a, a proposal about that. Uh, she is uh, working very much on this side, uh, and I um, appreciate that. It, it, she opened me my mind really very much. But I, at the same time, I am on a parallel uh, rail. I'm going on with the uh, with the technical part. Uh, yeah, I think that. Um what you talk about in your books and your papers that you sent to me is that uh, a scientific approach is is uh, is needed. It's very much needed, but it has to be an open-minded approach. And science has to, the methods of science have to adapt a little bit because these don't, uh, the phenomena don't seem to apply in a in a way you know a repeatable way uh, to a, a scientific yeah. ex- examination. So the science has I- to change to to uh, examine it, um, kind of meet it on on its own terms, I suppose. Yes. Uh, the other thing that you were just speaking right now about, about the witness, two things came to mind. One, everybody that tries to get a video or a film or whatever of these things, it doesn't, it doesn't really work, uh, especially if it's automatic equipment. And two, that probably means, just like you said, there needs to be somebody there interacting with it for anything to happen, which is exactly what you've just been saying, that uh, what is going on with the witness? What are the theories of psychology that have to do with memory, uh, trauma, the nervous system, how people perceive things in a, in a, in a traumatic yeah. situation, uh, how they tell the stories to others. And then another big chunk of this, which is quite interesting to me, is the idea of information theory that uh, John Wheeler and a few other people have proposed, whereby the basis of um, all physical reality is, is actually information and the interaction with with human consciousness is what creates all it, which basically creates all the matter. Yeah. That's very interesting to me, and I think it has something very intimate to do with what's going on with the UFO problem. Well, I think so. I think so. Information theory or physics of information, like Jacques Vallée. Likes yeah, yeah, to- not, not the noise in the system information theory that came out in the 50s about uh, how much uh, uh, noise is introduced into a communication system and how that can be uh, taken care of. But yeah, the, the basis of reality being information uh, at, at, its very, at its very core. Yes, I have been writing a book about that, which you thank you. You mentioned hyperspace of consciousness. Yes. By the way, this book had a good success of critics, but a very awful outcome of selling. It doesn't matter. It will. <laughs> that's, that's how those things go. People don't realize till it's way too late. They say, "Oh, well, I, I think Dr. Teodorani wrote about this like thirty years ago." Well, they, uh, many, many. I think many people are thinking I am completely mad, but uh, not really. <laughs> it's, it's. I think uh, um, science is first of all exploration. Can you imagine? Not even Indiana Jones, because that is a very old, uh, um, you know, archetype. But uh, 
science is not to take a train or a highway and go only there. You go fast, you, you reach the target, surely, but you don't see what is around. Mm. The best way to know reality is uh, to stop, to enter inside the wood, to take a machete, to cut all the bad grass and have the courage to enter inside uh, facing uh, uh, snakes, uh, crocodiles, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> It's very funny, but it's very... No, I, I, I am enjoying the metaphor. Uh, yes, thank you. And, uh, well, uh, I wrote this book, uh, which is uh, practically a metaphysical, uh, a cross between a physics and metaphysics book, uh, in which uh, I propose it. Uh, I say this since the beginning, uh, that uh, uh, it is only speculation. Uh, you can take it as a science fiction book or by a scientist, in which uh, I uh, think that everything I will explain in several chapters about a cosmic library. Practically, it's uh, an elaboration of the ancient uh, Akasha concept of memory, memorization of all what happens in the universe is memorized in a sort of supercomputer, mm -hmm. which is located in the quantum void uh, using the virtual particles as you know to switch uh, like the like in a computer in the in in the place of bits uh, which uh, uh, gets non locally so instantaneously by the entangled mechanism all the information well so uh, i think that uh, um, well i don't think it god create any universe because quantum mechanics uh, says that uh, uh, the, the, the Heisenberg indetermination principle uh, in, is uh, sufficient to uh, create the universe by chance when a virtual particle uh, expands and create a universe. But I think that uh, some builders do exist. And in this case, I am, yes, I am an extraterrestrialist, uh, can build a system, an informatic system that can instruct um, uh, even plasmas uh, in distance using the entanglement me me mechanism uh, to instruct them to do something that they want to do. So a plasma, like David, physicist David Bohm was saying, is something that is very, very weird because its particles behave like a whole. And so there is a sort of entanglement. It's not yet demonstrated completely well. A sort of entanglement it's a coherent mechanism and a plasma could behave like a brain practically like, oh like yeah that was a, that was in your lecture you said there there's certain plasmas that have been found uh by researchers in i think germany and where i can't remember the other country but that uh if there is a, a plasma present and uh, dust some matter is introduced into it it, it's, it starts to change yeah. in very strange ways Yes, this is very strange. Ten years, uh, exactly 11 years ago, a group of scientists, uh, um, physicists from Germany, Tsitovic uh, from Russia, and uh, Germans uh, were able to demonstrate, uh, this is a very good question, Greg, uh, because uh, it's, uh, it's uh, pertinent, uh, they demonstrated that if they inject uh, some uh, uh, dust particles inside the plasma, the plasma starts to behave in a very strange way and uh, in a helical form, in a helical form that uh, um, um, resembles the DNA very perfectly, but not only the shape, but also the time dynamics, uh, 
multiplication and everything like that. And uh, so yeah, self-replicating, as you said, self-replicating. So uh, they started at that time at an official level because it was published on the journal of, uh, um, uh, well, I don't remember the name, but it's a peer review journal that can be seen also on internet that uh, um, intelligence, uh, um, consciousness can exist also inside plasma. But if it is so, well, this is everywhere because plasma is the fifth state of matter, which constitutes 99% of the matter in the universe. So also in the interstellar space, in particular condition, you can have a sort of, I don't say consciousness, it might last a picosecond, but I tried to follow it in Stalin with a sort of electrocardiogram of the light variation. Uh, something it's it seems like a life form and uh, uh, it, it makes me think to the model of a Roger Penrose physicist and Stuart Timeroff uh, regarding the quantum uh, brain uh, namely that uh, something that uh, the uh, every, every moment of consciousness uh, is born when a cluster of microtubules inside the brain collapse the, the wave function quantum wave function that uh, links them collapse and you have uh, you have uh, a, quant a moment of consciousness i think that microtubules on the brain and the particles inside the plasma so ions and the electrons might in particular conditions behave in the same way and so that uh, some kind of consciousness uh, can come out. This is very hot subject, very hardcore, but I am not afraid to to speak of. And I'm very happy that after publishing uh, two papers on ACTA Astronautica peer review about SETI, because I am very involved in SETI and I support it very much, they were completely in total scandal because I, I just sent an abstract uh, which I wanted to propose to an alternative way to search for uh, non-human life and the way where the the guy who was my friend was completely completely angry he told oh don't come to paris please don't don't come because uh, no 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 the most part of the committee didn't approve your abstract but what what about what because people must judge uh, a work or a proposal on the basis of a methodology and not on the basis on the issue per se and I propose all the calculations that I am going to do, especially using high time resolution uh, video cameras, so one millionth of frame per second, so we can decode if there is a message inside in the pulsation period with the time series analysis, we can do mathematically everything. No, no, because this was going uh, against uh, the politics of uh, SETI, and uh, which I support, of course, I very much. I support always. They are they who don't support uh, rebels or uh, like me. And very happy <laughs> to be a rebel. And I'm very happy that my my paper has not been accepted that time. <laughs> uh, well, you're suggesting that rocks have brains, almost. You know that that's that's the very basic. <laughs> <laughs> that that matter uh, that uh, consciousness is or, or at least yeah consciousness is an emergent quality of matter and I think that that really bothers them uh, absolutely because I think even if the most of them they are all communist uh, atheist and also uh, they 
all of them have a background of uh, Catholicism, of uh, Christianism. They are not able to get rid of that. And uh, I, That's a very my- good point, actually. Their thought is formed by this, even though they don't, um, they don't acknowledge that that's their cultural background. They, they, they don't realize that there is something uh, that, even if they are atheist in the most uh, part, uh, has uh, been excavating inside their subconscious, of which they have no control, and which is able to trigger all of their actions that sometimes are driven by politics of science and not by the uh, a real need of exploring the universe, the reality, in order to understand these things mathematically, because this is what 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 matters. They are very afraid. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy man. I'm just a rebel uh, who likes uh, to I don't know to walk on the fire. It doesn't matter. <laughs> do you think that's? Um, I've got this feeling, and I'm going to do a, a talk about this pretty soon. That. And maybe you can disabuse me of this idea that in the last year or two, something like that, especially since uh, the end of last year, because of the yeah. New York Times thing, that some degreed scientists are a little bit more open to looking at some of these things. Is, is, do you think that's true or not? I mean, that, that seems to be what's happening. I see more evidence of people not whispering in the hallways and maybe being more public about their interests. Do you, do you see that at all? Mm, well, honestly, no. I don't see that, but uh, I notice that in some works, uh, not of astrophysics, but of uh, fundamental physics, uh, particle physics, someone is saying uh, something that uh, without they don't realize might uh, um, be connected uh, with uh, the so-called UFO phenomenon. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, dark matter, for instance, uh, I mean, um, some new kind of particles, because uh, in the at CERN in Europe, I have several friends at CERN mm-hmm. Nuclear Center, uh, they are doing a very good work, but uh, some works came out uh, which have been uh, obscured, in my opinion, in which they are thinking that there is a fifth force uh, that is um, joining the other four forces. And, uh, uh, well, I'm not yet in a condition to tell something. Something strange is coming out uh, in science, but uh, I don't believe that uh, uh, scientists uh, are more open to the phenomenon than than before. I know that they speak a lot when they are, you know, taking a beer or, you know. Right. Uh, but not not officially because it's, I tell you, the reason is practical. The reason is that, okay, I, I did a proposal with my colleagues in USA, your nation, but also other nations, to make an automatic measurement station to take a, a very concrete uh, numerical data. But what a scientist mostly is worried about is not just to explore the, the wild forest, but is worried to collect tons of papers that, that make his own career. So publish or perish. Yeah. Are we, uh, are we able to publish very much about UFOs? Well, no. Probability says that we might publish nothing, and so our career would stagnate. So yeah. it's not worth going on. The reason is practical. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, uh, I guess, tenured or who knows, you're independently wealthy, you can't really do that, it's, it seems like still. 
well, I can do that. I can do that. You can. Some people can because they're just brave or stupid or whatever. <laughs> well, there are some people that can do that. For instance, Erling Strand in Norway is doing a, a lot of very good work because in addition to being a pioneer, he was one of the first, just after Harley Rutledge and Yakima, to measure the phenomenon systematically, very methodically. And uh, and now he has launched, uh, now since 10 years, a project who is called uh, Science Camp, which is uh, aimed at um, triggering uh, youngsters to science uh, uh, through um, um, the uh, goal of solving a mystery. And so he's bringing young uh, students uh, just on the field, so they love nature and they use the instruments, that is okay. There are also others. I, I could mention several ones with my, much to my pleasure, is one is an engineer, Jim Bonnell, who is doing, has been doing a very good work at the Marfa uh, oh, place. Yes. He did a lot of good work uh, with, uh, with his own instruments. Uh, he was the first to distinguish uh, true lights from uh, current lights or Fata Morgana phenomenon. And then there was Dave Eckers in Yakima, who was a friend, a collaborator of Alan Heineck, Professor Rutledge, who I think he died. And there are some others, technologists or so, who would be very happy to make to make this experience. We need only two 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 million dollars to start well to start well. But we cannot start if we, we if we are beggars outside asking to the people to the average people. We have to turn our uh, we, have to, we have to have the courage to turn to the academic world because the academic world is what uh, can help us to give something that is certain. And this is right. not for a. Uh, uh, Pickwick circle of uh, you know those old trombones there in science, but it's towards all the people because making good science academic means giving a total and honest certainty to all the people of the world. So the academical must uh, support us, and uh, there is a lot of uh, published technical papers about this. About the about the light phenomenon and what and the possible phys- physics of them. You mean? Yes. I, uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, Dave Metcalf, was talking about uh, uh, what uh, measuring the, the, the uh, brightness of some of these light phenomena and the, and the power required to produce this brightness. There, there's no power plant or anything like that, so that uh, if you could figure out how to produce this much energy in these plasmas or these lights or whatever, that would solve a lot of uh, energy problems. Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, when you talked about plasmas and being contained, it's, it, that's the big problem of uh, fusion right now still. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah, so very good questions also, also by David Metcalf, which is, uh, well, yes, it's a problem. It's, uh, it's something that is, we are facing in the nuclear uh, fusion inside the laboratory, like in, with the tokamak uh, Right. experiments and similars, and they are not able to confine the plasma for more than some seconds. And in that case, the plasma is confined for 
something like up to two hours, of course, ne not being constant in amplitude and uh, of luminosity, but uh, going off and on and pulsating and so. It means that there is a something, and I think it's a sort of central force, which is similar to gravity that is pulling all the plasma toward the, the interior part, which is able to keep the plasma uh, inside, preventing, preventing it from expanding and uh, then cooling. And, uh, it, it, there is something. And uh, I also, something in astrophysics is happening that when you have the collapse of, uh, of uh, some plasma in space, it happens that the line of force of the magnetic field are amplified. So the magnetic field, uh, as the collapse, collapse is going on, uh, uh, becomes stronger and stronger and uh, works like a cage of containment of the plasma. We don't know what is that central force. Some people like physicists, uh, Mario Rabinovitz, thought it uh, they are mini black holes that are still here, that were created in the very first moment of the universe. Some thinks that, some other think about uh, quantum uh, uh, fluctuation of the, of the quantum void, and uh, some others, uh, like uh, Professor uh, Dr. David, uh, David Freiberger of the Stanford Linear Accelerator Center in your nation, whom I was um, very pleased to know in 1994, thinks that this is caused by magnetic monopoles. So poles with only one pole, mm. and uh, that are keeping that. So there is a lot of speculation, but we have no, uh, not sufficient high resolution in space and time data to be able to make a self-consistent theory. And this is a problem, because if even one of us is able to do that, it's not even, it's not scientific yet, even if we have good numbers, because it's not like a star that, you know, you take the telescope and the star is always there. You know, you, you, you point a telescope, you give it the coordinates, and the stars is always there. Those phenomena are not always there. Are they are unpredictable? Yeah. So it's, it's not difficult. <laughs> it's repeatable, but uh, randomly. Right, randomly. I'm sorry. You you have to you have to be there. The thing I think that um, that I think of when you uh, in the last uh, listening to your comments is that if you could find out that force that keeps the the plasma together from the inside. Rather than one of those, uh, rather one of those containment, like a tokamak or uh, one of those toro, toro, toroidal things that uh, yeah. apply force from the outside to keep the plasma together, that, that would be a revolution. And, and uh, the answer might lie in the uh, the, the study of these uh, natural plasmas. Absolutely, this is very stimulating. Uh, something from the outside that is triggering. Well, I cannot, I cannot uh, deny the possibility of us a strange natural phenomenon or even a technology that is able to trigger central forces artificially to create those plasma. We don't know what has plasma, those plasma are for. But uh, uh, now I'm very naive, but it's very strange because there is a very famous uh, video which was taken by the Blue Box uh, um, uh, Observatory in Stalin. 
in 19 in December 1999, which is very spectacular, in which you can see a triangular object, a full triangular object, so not similar to the Belgian cases, also full triangular, completely lighted triangular object that is flying over the valley, and suddenly there is a light ball that is sucked inside. Something like it's, uh, of course, people like Jaime uh, Mausan would say, oh, of course, they are, they are, there. they are the scout uh, sensors or so. Yeah. It, it, from that image, it, it really seemed that, that there was something that was uh, in control with the light was there, or like if there is something there that is, uh, to make fuel there to take uh, plasma. Uh, to travel, I don't know. Uh, here, this is this this is first of all is a minefield for for scientists, yeah. and secondly, there are many many unknowns. So I cannot I, I can only speculate, uh, but without any wishful thinking about that. Yeah, I, looking through some of the things you sent me, uh, the idea came up, and this this is in a also in a book called. Information and the uh, Nature of Reality, which is a bunch of different essays on information theory. But one of the essays discussed the idea that our physical laws are reciprocal with how we think about them, meaning the physical laws that we have discovered are products of our thinking about those physical laws. What do you think about that idea? Well, I think uh, that uh, since the discover of the um, universal gravitation by Newton after after the apple and apple started everything practically <laughs> in new science but also also with Galileo and everything uh, I personally don't think well I have been discussing with a friend who is a physicist uh, about this I don't think that uh, what uh, uh, we are uh, discovering science is a creation of our mind, but some, uh, rather something that is the discovery of something that uh, does exist out of us, some, simply because we are like uh, archaeologists. Right. And so we discover something that already exists independently from us. So I think that the laws of physics exist independently from us, and, uh, and, uh, and that's the reason why I love science. But uh, in spite of, so I b strongly believe in the, in the um, results of uh, physics, or, uh, especially with astronomy. Astronomy is a part of physics. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I also think that there is something that uh, is uh, not uh, yet known. And uh, what is not yet known is the a connection between uh, physics, uh, uh, matter, and consciousness. Because our physics was well, very well developed, but it was uh, there was a fault uh, which was called by Descartes, um, Cartesius we call them, who told that uh, mind and matter are two superior super, things. I don't mm. think so. I think that there is a sort of consciousness which is nothing transcendental, nothing religious, but which is a part of the structure of the universe, which we avoided to face, and which is coming out uh, through the UFO phenomenon, but not only through that, but also through ghost uh, phenomenon, ghost lights, 
simply parapsychological phenomenon like a poltergeist. Oh, by the way, this day I forgot to tell Susan today that there were two two bottles that fell alone from the table mm -hmm. uh, while I was here. And uh, um, it seemed they wanted to kill me because uh, when I stepped there, I was about to fall because there was a bottle on the ground. Okay, but this is very funny. It's very nice. My cat will... <laughs> <laughs> I think I could hear your cat in the background a little while ago. Uh, no, it's not my cat. It's it's a storm that is coming now. Oh, it's it's thundering. Yes, my cat is like a lion, but this is a um, just thundering outside. Oh, you're getting a nice summer storm there in uh, near uh, in in Emilia Romagna. Yes, this year it was very nice because it was not so hot. Oh, I can uh, hear it now. Yes, it, it, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I would like to to put a silencer, but it's no. There is no way here. No, no. I like it. It's nice to hear that in the background. The All I get is, is trash about, cans. The sky is about to fall now. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> and if 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 uh, there will be um, hailstorm uh, with uh, with the balls that are one two feet wide, uh, speak well to the prepost to the posters about me. Before, before. <laughs> I hope your your car is under uh, cover. I think they have hail. Uh, you have to get uh, d insurance for hail when you live in the uh, Midwest because the the, the it dents yeah. cars and breaks windows and all kinds of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's also very dangerous for people, especially those with a motorbike. Uh, oh my car! I keep a car inside a uh, uh, um, computer parking underground, so it's completely protected. And and that's okay. Uh, that's okay. I'm all, only sorry for 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 the for the noise that it can do, but uh, well, okay. No, it doesn't do, it doesn't bother me. I can still hear you fine. The only problem would be if uh, the power gets knocked out, and then we just can't talk. We'll have to continue another time. Um, I read uh, bits of uh, hyperspace of consciousness, and uh, there there's an idea in there that uh, still fascinates me about the difference between mind and consciousness. You know, uh, what, what, can you explain that your your idea? About, well, it's not. I mean, it's not your idea, but you expand on it in the book. And what are the implications of that model when when mind and consciousness are separate things, and 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 uh, uh, that consciousness is uh, emergent out of something that is not um, that 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 needs your physical brain there, but it's not in your physical brain. Well, this is a very difficult and but very intelligent question. I would say. I think that the true uh, brain of the universe is just uh, what we call consciousness. And I think that the mind is just an arm of the main brain. Right, I had it like, backwards. I'm sorry. Uh, what? I asked the question backwards. I'm sorry. The mind is the local and, and consciousness is, the, is the, uh, the universal brain or mind or whatever it is. Yeah, yes. Uh, well... Uh, according to the theory of uh, Penrose uh, and Hameroff, uh, uh, it's not possible to think uh, of an active consciousness if there is no matter that is explicating it. This, <laughs> right. uh, this happens, it's apparently an atheistic uh, concept, uh, but uh, this happens also with the physics of David Bohm. Practically, you need something 
that uh, um, vector uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your consciousness is something like a, a potential thing, something like an information that is stored somewhere, but it's not active. So you need you need a, a physical world to activate it. In few words, I don't believe in the angels uh, playing trumpets uh, in the paradise uh, after we are dead. I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe if there is a physical universe like this or probably also others uh, parallel to this, there must be a reason. Otherwise, we wouldn't need any any, any need of a physical world. In few, in conclusion, consciousness, uh, it's not a belief. It's only an hypothesis that I accept uh, can exist only if there is a vector that is ex- uh, producing it. Otherwise, there is no consciousness. There is only sleep. This is my opinion. Uh, another thing you brought up was uh, Bohm's implicate and explicate, where the explicate is the... Uh I guess you'd call it a universal conscious and the implicate, or I'm sorry, the implicate was the universal yeah. consciousness and the explicate was um, having the uh, physical body or yeah. whatever it is to, to act as, I guess, as a computer terminal or something like that to do something with this information and to make it, uh, yes. to make it, uh, what, explicate, <laughs> to make, to make it useful, to make it uh, yeah, interact, so, to make it move. Exactly. exactly. It's something like the, the computer control of the body is like the software of hardware. So you cannot you cannot have any hardware without a software because it, you you would have a, a turned off computer, and you <laughs> cannot have a software without a computer that runs it. So this is very logical, and uh, and this, uh, in my opinion, explains the reason why the universe does exist. Uh, but we know only uh, this physics because, uh, like uh, um, phys- a cosmologist, uh, Max Tegmark, uh, um, calculations predicted there are possible other universes with different physics than this one, mm-hmm. with different constants and uh, different possibilities. This one is one of the very few successful. Uh, possibilities, uh, artists, I would say, oh, well, it's by chance. Well, I don't know this because, yes, universe can be created by chance by the um, um, Heisenberg indetermination principle. But I cannot exclude that some other intelligence at a very high level, you know, like a Prometheus level, is able to brindle, to tap this mechanism to create at will all the universes that they want. So uh, I'm thinking of the gods of the ancient Greeks. I'm thinking of the gods of the uh, Celts. And uh, by the way, this was the, the land in which I am was I had a very strong influence from the Celts. And uh, I'm thinking of the god uh, Tyrannus of the, of the lightning. And I'm thinking of something... <laughs> I'm thinking of the gods of the antiquity. They 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 thought it was uh, their fantasy, but uh, well, I don't know. Probably they were getting something in their mind of something that they they were feeling. We are not uh, feeling because we are completely explicated 
on the screen of our smartphone, on, uh, on the screen of our computer, on our wish to, to fuck the others in this uh, shitty competition uh, of, for life, uh, for money and for everything. The ancient ones were completely different and probably the, uh, that antenna was working more than that antenna now at this epoch of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, we have so many distractions now. It's just been a, you know, a, a storm of distractions in the last maybe two or three hundred years as more and more devices get in, our, in the way of um, us uh, speculating on what is causing these things. Um, and the only personification that we have left, I suppose, is the one given to us by, by Western Christianity, at least in, in the countries that we live in. And that yeah. uh, um, I wrote an article one time um, about, uh, I, I started with the, the Alan Watts idea that he said, if there's rocks, there's, uh, someday they're going to turn into people. Uh, meaning that there was a, uh, there's implied consciousness in matter and that in, in, under certain conditions it becomes self-aware, I guess. Well, I think so. I, 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 think, I think the same, and uh, um, I've been discussing very much this thing with uh, Susan, who is about to develop a model, a um, speculative but very self-consistent model, about uh, a new, uh, in my opinion, as I see it, uh, a rational way, rational way, and not new age way, mm -hmm. to try to find out uh, um, some kind of uh, intimate intelligence in nature. Uh, and so the Gaia theory would, could be uh, considered, but in a different way. Right. And, uh, and that uh, would uh, probably explain the reason of the, you know, the, 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 in, the belief of uh, some cultures, uh, especially the paganism, which I am very fond of and which I belong to sometimes, mm. uh, about the divas, about these gods, about the a pan god, all about the fairies, about uh, these strange beings uh, that seems in, in, intrinsic uh, to the to the heart uh, and the intelligence of our planet, which we know, of which we know nothing practically, but which comes out through our consciousness. So uh, we are ignorant in some things, and we I think we have to take more into account. Uh, um, um, what was said by the witches in the past, uh, because uh, it might open again a door inside us, not to go back to the past, but to 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 join this uh, found again knowledge with our scientific knowledge. So I am expecting something like a quantum leap in this case. I don't like this word because it is. Uh, very new age, but... Uh, it's overused, uh, yeah. It's overused, but uh, anyway, if we join this, how to call, intuitive, spiritual, spiritual I don't like, but intuitive of visionary mm -hmm. <clears throat> experience of the ancient uh, uh, who um, built up their uh, pantheon of gods with our... Uh, uh, scientific knowledge, I believe that we could make a, a huge uh, jump, at least 
it's worth trying because it's all a question of courage. It's all a question of being able to jump from one side to the other. If the bridge is broken, we have to jump. If not, we stay always at the same point. It's worth the risk, in my opinion. I have nothing to, to lose in telling this. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like there is a, as you say it there, there is a sort of a um, left brain, I, yeah, a left brain that we've been working with and that has given us cars and smartphones and computers yeah. and, and a shitty economic system and all that. And yes. then we have a right brain, which is all the all the things that make people feel like life is worth living and fall in love and yes. inspired yes. by art and the you know and these things. There's a big divide between them, and in some people, it's not it's not as much like uh, like you or or um, Dean Radin or or Valet or there, there's a few others I can think of, yeah. but the the where the those two things don't seem to be the 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 wall between the two is not as. Uh, as defined, um, and then uh, what you seem to be suggesting, and I agree with you, is if that wall could be broken down quite a bit, um, then there would be uh, that that would be a real um, uh, breakthrough, and that would that would change things. And- uh, absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes I'm thinking. I mentioned this in my book, Hyperspace of Consciousness, uh, which is now published uh, on. Um, in Australia as an e-book now. It's not anymore on paper book, but it's on Bathward books. It can be possible. I spoke about that, about the what is a genius? Uh, what, is, what was Nikola Tesla? What was Leonardo da Vinci? Mm-hmm. And many others. Uh, we think that there are some kind of a fluctuation from the, from the nothing, but I think that they were people that were able to to connect, to make a bridge between the two uh, brains. And, uh, and for them, it was absolutely natural. And they think that this is possible for everyone and not only for them. Uh, geniality is, uh, is happiness, practically. And, uh, well, I think in, in a way or another, we have to find out. I only tell one thing that is not scientific, but I can tell you that I, I am giving a lot of value to the so-called visions. I don't speak about, I don't mean UFOs, abductions or so. I mean the hypnagogic and hypnopompic imaging mm-hmm. that is happening before you fall asleep or after you wake up is when you are very present in yourself and very conscious and suddenly there are images that uh, forms in your own minds which are very sharp like HD movie much much better in yeah. color which uh, and I, I knew what are they they are not the information per se they are just icons they are informations uh, like an, an icon of a computer of a software of a computer that is just on the desktop. Oh, yeah. There's information encoded in these things. That that that, exactly. that, that yeah. That that if you get those images and you interpret them properly or usefully, that all the imp- information impl- implicated in that symbol becomes available to you. Exactly. They they contain inside the like a software because when you click on the icon. Icon, you can open or uh, install a program. And well, it happened in my past when I was young that I was having suddenly this kind of imaging, and suddenly 
in the morning. In, in, they are beautiful, really beautiful, something incredible. And uh, uh, in the morning, I was feeling uh, tons of uh, white papers of calculations about uh, <laughs> the principle of conservation of energy. Practically, I was giving myself the the answers, uh, no, sorry, the questions and the answers. Uh, in, instead of um, having my holiday, I was like, well, no, I, of course I was going to discos and everything, but uh, <laughs> I was doing that too. And uh, it, it, it is something, I think that knowledge is not something suffering. It, it, the suffering comes, occurs only when you are climbing up the mountain, but you have to be able to, to know the path. If not, you will, ne- you will go nowhere. But you, when you are on the top, it's a pleasure. There are children playing. And, uh, and I think that all the, all the intelligence in the universe are just children playing uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and happy. Well, I am here, I am a child, but uh, okay, no problem. Well, I think that you have to have that. Uh, I think that state of mind you're talking about is a childlike state of mind where you're not filtering, you're not uh, judging. Yes. And when you're not doing that, I think the, the these symbols and the sim- signal and whatever you're sending so, yourself through um, from the future or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, I, I think that that's when that channel is open. Um, as you mentioned Tesla, he said he was able to just visualize things as already done and he could test them and yeah. all that. And I think that uh, if we could teach people to do that, if people had that, if people had the ability, like you can teach somebody to throw a basketball. Not, not everybody can, or kick a soccer goal. Not everybody can do it. Some people can just do it naturally. But you can teach somebody to do it um, yeah. up to a competent level. And yeah. that might be something that can be done. You know, what if we did that with school children for 20 years? What the hell? What, what would the world look like? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is a good uh, consideration. But uh, we have to be very careful because there are some people who, who are a great danger for humanity. I mean, some kind of a conspiracy and the new age guy who are making a lot of mining with their bullshit. Yeah. And in this case, um, I am very Xicopian, I, I must admit. They, you know how they work. And they have been reading my books without understanding the heck of anything of what it was written. <laughs> but they took only the phrases that they were, you know, they were boosting their yeah, 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 yeah. feelings. And they contextualize them inside their own non-thought, non-thinking. And they created an abort, an abort. And they are making courses, seminars, which are paid 900 euros a person for five days. You, you calculate if there are 150, 200 persons, who, each one of which is paying 900 euros well, it's which is lasting five days. Well, it's very easy to tell bullshit uh, for five days. You can live, uh, you can work only five year uh, days um, a year. You live very well, and you destroy the critical thinking of people and even their psychical and uh, and uh, and the physical health. So it's very risky speaking about that. And sometimes I think that uh, I understand 
why there are secret societies. I've been a Freemason for some years. I wasn't. I thought it was something. Uh, well, we can not not to be helped in society because I didn't care that. Uh, I but I understood why people were um, collecting together in secret because there are some things that. Uh, in, in, the the other people cannot understand. They can only destroy that and creating an abort, an abortion. And at the same time, the the, the Xicopians, who uh, are very lazy, not all, <laughs> they are very lazy. You know, I, I agree with you. <laughs> they are armchair guys. You know, it's very simple. Let another one work, and then you work, and I destroy. And I try to destroy and so they don't analyze the the source, but they analyze only what those nutters have done of that source by doing that abortion. So it is a two-way destruction mechanism. That's the way uh, people must be educated because uh, yes, there are courses that are wants to teach to be creative well uh, oh, you have to find the secret uh, you know the book uh, and that one uh, but the people uh, must be prepared must be prepared spiritually scientifically they have to have a very critical education and uh, a training maybe also um, martial arts i don't know yeah well not to take everything so seriously for one and two not to take everything as as gospel everything is just uh to to be able to hold something in a possible state for as long as possible i think that that, that's part of critical thinking you get if you make a decision very quickly you shut down whatever you you you, uh you collapse the waveform way too quickly (laughs) exactly exactly yes you're you're very sharp in in telling this, it's a very delicate situation, and uh, I was very angry lastly because I prepared a course, a long course about uh, from microphysics to macrophysics. Uh, I it took about three months to prepare it, and uh, it was one year ago, more than one year ago. Well, there were only two uh, people. No, there were only twelve people who subscribed to the course, which was not expensive at all, and uh, um, but not enough to make the course. So I couldn't make the course. Instead, I could see these nutters who are making a lot of money uh, uh, selling uh, nuts to the people. And, uh, well, it's I am humble. I'm not an egotistic, but in this case, I must be a judge because in the interest of people uh, that uh, have no uh, must be protected must be uh, in their freedom of thought uh, and these guys are new dictators of the spirit uh, and Mm. they are not better than the church and uh, uh, any kind of uh, dictatorial religion so we have to be very careful yeah, any of these philosophies, I think they must be freeing rather than restrictive. Um, Absolutely. You know, you know, when you've learned what you need to learn, get out of here. You know, leave me alone. Don't come back here. You've got what you need now. Move on. But most of these places, they say no. They try to get you addicted to their to their methods so that you yeah. keep coming back and paying them more money. And any time that happens, that people should run as quickly as possible in the other direction. Which unfortunately doesn't happen because. The, the the myth of the piper and the mice 
they are not able because they are completely conditioned. Some were able to get out, and there are some, you know, um, dogmas, uh, some pseudo religions. They are stealing literally uh, ideas from quantum mechanics, mostly from quantum mechanics, without uh, having understood anything about uh, what uh, what it is, because you you have to have a degree in physics. Yeah. or astronomy or even engineering to understand that they are taking those ideas they are stealing those ideas to create a monster I remember that uh, there, there was a film, a science fiction film of monsters that were created by metals uh, uh, of cars, of things that had something monster that was created that was out of any kind of harmony and this is what is happening. And, uh, well, if the so-called devil, and I don't like this word, but exists, well, I think that there is a form of, of that uh, against which we have, uh, we have to fight. And the only way to do that is to be very confident on our rationality, open mind, um, good uh, intents, uh, and uh, loving for people, respect, uh, and uh, some, I'm an idealist uh, anyway. Yeah, and be open to uh, criticism, but not in, you know in a way that is constructive and not uh, just a complaint or a tr- an ego trying to break another down or whatever. And that doesn't yeah. exist very much. It's it's very prevalent on the internet, uh, the arguing and all that, and nothing ever happens. Nobody convinces anything of any, any anybody of anything. I have noticed that if you argue with somebody or discuss with somebody outside of the pub of a public forum, completely different discussion. Um, because nobody's watching. And if nobody's watching, your ego isn't in there. You don't feel you have to win the argument or anything like that. You're just having a talk. Completely different. Yeah. So that's what I, I actually tell friends of mine. It's like, I'm arguing with this guy. He's terrible. It's like, well, contact him privately. It, the, the, con- the conversation will change completely. I guarantee it. This is, this is very interesting. I, uh, I want to do the test. You're telling things that I didn't realize Consciously, but uh, now that you are telling me this, I will be much more careful. Uh, but you are right because I'm I'm making comparison be- between between um, my interaction with some kind of people, and uh, by the way, they are really uh, very negative persons, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the in the in the social forum on Facebook. There are people who are uh, playing with others. Creating multiple profiles and uh, making those profiles interact between each other, trying to to manipulate the mind of people, and I've known that kind of people. And this is a this is a danger, but uh, well, it was in control, fortunately. Right. I want to talk to you about your music. Oh, oh yes. Well. How long My have you been doing that? Well, uh, well, in the past, uh, when I was at high school, I was uh, very interested in the new experiment with the synthesizers in uh, in Germany, especially by the group uh, Tangerine Dream, which is still alive, uh, by the way. Really? And, oh. Uh, oh, yes, yes, it goes on. There are new new components of the group, and they are keeping the the fire high uh, since uh, 50 years or something like that, or like Klaus Schulz, it was born in Germany. And suddenly this music uh, 
made me feel very well. It was helping me, I don't know, to meditate because I'm a person who is not able to meditate. But when uh, I listen to this kind of music, I do. And I, I, I did uh, um, many studies about um, um, which um, demanded all my rationality. So I needed to compensate with something that is both rational, because a synthesizer is technology, is engineering and science, and something that uh, uh, some sounds, uh, some rhythm with the sequencers also is able to create a particular, particular state of mind. So I started to experiment and I, in the past I had synthesizers, but they had to buy, to, to sell because I was selling my house in Bologna. But then I bought new ones again and I started to experiment with them and uh, um, Something sometimes it's like if the if the fingers on the keys and on on the knobs are going alone. I don't know. It seems I'm uh, like piloted. It's something like uh, surfing on the waves. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it very much, and uh, uh, it's going on. Uh, of course, uh, I enjoy it very much. It's my my best hobby uh, of Sunday because I have no time in the other days. And, uh, uh, sometime, and, uh, and sometimes I, I encode inside the synth sound in the waveforms and in the, in the rhythms that uh, you can create with arpeggios and sequencer. I am encoding some kind of information that is coming from my subconscious because uh, I feel I have to communicate a message. I, I mean the irrational part of me. And... Uh, mm -hmm. I feel well. I feel well because what I want is that uh, we are very uh, lucid, rational, and scientific, but at the same time with our spirit uh, completely uh, in harmony with, uh, with nature, with the universe. Well, this is uh, sounding very much new age, of course, but uh, I don't care. And, uh, well, all we have uh, is language to describe this, so it's going to sound the way it's going to sound. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will probably buy a new equipment uh, very soon, um, but not much more because if not, I would have to to rob a bank or so. And they are very expensive uh, uh, instruments. But uh, I really enjoy it very much, and uh, and uh, uh, I have um, I belong to groups of electronic other electronic musicians, uh, you know, of every nation, mostly in Germany, with whom I'm very tuned mm -hmm. and uh, we discuss and we listen uh, our pieces uh, which are published on Bandcamp on several and it's a learning I'll experience. put links up after that when I post the interview I'll put links up to some of your stuff yeah and so this is my hobby practically it's uh, it's uh, it's my hobby. once it was windsurf it was volleyball and now it's my way of tracking uh, at my age, uh, with uh, with uh, oscilla oscillators and uh, and all that electronic things. Yeah, uh, I wish I was a musician. I'm I'm not. I've actually got a, a guitar here. I was, I was playing the guitar before nice. we did our interview, just because I wanted to. Oh, nice! I felt like it. I was actually playing a David Bowie song and trying to sing along with it. Nice. Yeah. Um, the weird the the thing that I do, which is very strange, which is uh, I guess meditative, is uh, paragliding. You know what that is? 
What is that? Uh, well, it's in in France. It's parapente. The, ah, yes, 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 yes. Parapendio, yes. I know, I know you do that. Uh, I envy you very much. I think you enjoy a lot. It's, it's strange. You get into a, a, a – Wilbur Wright described this. I asked him what flying was like, and he said, if you can imagine complete re- relaxation with uh, – yeah. uh, and on the other hand, your nerves stretch to the utmost because you're not – you shouldn't uh, be in the it, air. People shouldn't be floating in the air. <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Uh, I, I saw on your profile some of your photos when, when you are in Parapindi, and uh, I, I envy you very much also because I am I'm very fond of uh, – uh, aerospace things, so about uh, aircrafts, uh, which I know very much, military technology, which I know very well, but uh, mostly the flight. And uh, I envy you because uh, I've never felt uh, what you are feeling all the time. And I've seen people like you from down, sitting on the lawn that were... Yeah, Dolomites is a very very popular flying spot, yeah. Yes, very much. And also our Apennines, and also the center of Italy in the Sibyllini Mountains. It's a magical place. There are a lot of uh, German and uh, Dutch uh, um, Parapindir um, people, which is um, oh, it's it's very nice. And uh, how 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 high are you flying up? More I'm, or less. I'm trying to think. I can only do it in feet, not meters. I guess meters would be no, about you know three it, times. It, uh, if I'm at the beach, you know, for uh, flying at the cliffs, maybe 100, 200, 300 feet above the cliff um, where the wind's yeah. going up. Or if I go yeah. to the mountains, you know, you launch at maybe four or 5,000 feet, maybe 3,000, and you try to get uh, rising air, and you can go up to – people go up to, you know, 18,000, 20,000 feet, and they have to take oxygen. I think. I've never done that. I mean, I think the highest I've gotten up is maybe – I don't know, two or 3,000 feet above where I launched from. It's wonderful. And um, do you use, uh, uh, do you have an, uh, an engine on your, on your back or it's a completely uh, I do free? both. Fantastic. I do with and without the engine. The engine I have a, actually I, I can run with it, but I have a, I have a three-wheeled uh, cart uh, that I put the engine on so then I don't have to run. I don't have to carry the 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 uh, weight on my back as I'm running, which is 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 annoying. But yeah, I, I sit in a cart, so then I can land as as fast as I want. And um, when I'm taking off, I don't have to worry about the running part. All I have to worry about is keeping the the flying wing above me, so that when I launch, it doesn't launch in some funny bad attitude where you you will you will hit the ground. Your, your wing should be straight above you when you launch. Otherwise, you'll swing right back under it like a pendulum. You see. Yes, that's that's absolutely beautiful. Don't don't you don't you have a vertigos? No, no, I don't. You know what? I I've never had that. It's the only time I would get it is if I'm standing. People say, "Aren't you afraid of heights?" I said, "I am afraid of heights if I don't if I don't trust what's holding me up." I trust my airplane. I trust my paraglider. I trust you know whatever I'm flying on. Then I'm fine. Um, if I go to the edge of a building and there's no rail, I'm not going to go to the edge. But if there's a rail, I'll lean right over it. That's fine with me because I trust the rail to hold me up in the same way that I trust an airplane or a, um, or a paraglider to hold me up. Uh, so, you, so you fly also an airplane like a Cessna or like, a, like that? Yeah, yeah. I have a license for that too. Wonderful. Oh, yo, 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 I'm, I'm very envious of, of you because I've always liked flying. I, I like the, the aircraft technology since a long time. Uh, I have built a sort of a PowerPoint encyclopedia 
uh, with in um, I don't remember 30 volumes, uh, practically 45,000 photos, photographic, but also the specification of every kind of aircraft. I collected a lot of photos that are not anymore on the internet, only because mm. I like that. So when I listen a friend who is uh, telling, uh, well, I'm paragliding and that, I get very envious <laughs> because, yeah, yes, I, I have I know to come I, visit you in Italy and, and get somebody to take you a tandem paragliding. I don't have a license for tandem, but. Uh, oh, well, we, we, well, we can try. I am an oldie, but anyway, well, I think maximum I will faint. You don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. I I don't think you'll fate, especially if it's a if it's a um, a uh, mild day. All you do is take off and glide down to wherever you're going to land. Um, and if you have a good pilot with you, they're really good about um, not uh, uh, making the ride as smooth as possible. When I'm flying, I don't mind when uh, I will do things to actually make myself swing around and and dive and and do things because to me it's just it's ultimate freedom. People ask what it's like. I said it's like being on the biggest. Um, roller coaster ride in the world, except you have complete control of it. Absolutely. Instead, on roller coaster, you are obliged to follow that obliged path. Instead, you're 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 the pilot. I'm wondering, have you ever met some birds that were accompanying you during the flight? Because I've seen some pilots that of a paraglider that were accompanied by. Uh, um, you know, a flock of uh, birds uh, all around. I, I saw beautiful images. Yeah, uh, flying at the beach, pelicans will come by, seagulls. The only the only birds that seem to take any interest in me are hawks and 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 falcons and things like that. They'll come by and they'll they'll slow down and they'll just fly next to you and look at you for a while, and, and then they move cool. on. But yeah, I'll just uh, I'll suddenly turn and there'll be a bird about ten feet away from me looking at me. <laughs> My God, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. A beautiful, a beautiful nation in the United States. I went there uh, uh, in two thousand three. We in a mission, uh, in a mission to a specific place, which I cannot, uh, I cannot divulge because uh, it's a place of uh, where native culture is protected. Huh. So I cannot tell that. But it was a beautiful experience, and we were coming from San Francisco, hmm. and. Uh, the long car travel uh, down to uh, to um, uh, several places like Joshua Tree, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful, beautiful California. And I envy Susan who was able to to touch the biggest tree there uh, when she, when she traveled uh, two years ago. And uh, well, I love California really. Uh, well, I had a mission there which was fruitful, partly fruitful, partly there were some strains. There is a thing that uh, happened during the missions in which people suddenly start to quarrel on the field. And, uh, and, and no one knows why this happens, but it's always happened. It's something like a, a bad energy between people who are friends since a lot, which suddenly happens it didn't happen only there, but also in other places. And uh, but in spite of that, uh, which was not was not the main thing of that mission, I liked that mission very much. But it happens that in spite of that, I was so astonished by the uh, Californian and Arizonian 
nature that I forgot uh, all the bad things that uh, uh, happened. This happened also in Canada. Canada is a beautiful place. I did missions there with a very, a very uh, skillful person uh, um, who were very meticulous and uh, very determined. And so all the people with whom I've been collaborated, even if there were some disagreement, uh, were all very competent persons and very, and also good persons. But there is uh, a mystery that all the time a group of persons is trying to face, to investigate this phenomenon, something strange happens. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Jeff Ritzman told me the same thing. Any small group like this or any kind of group, if you're looking at some of these weird things, it tends to, it tends to get, uh, they break up very easily. Yes, yes. And you have to be very strong because, uh, well, I was astonished. I couldn't expect such a thing. And uh, I don't know. It seems that the phenomenon is creating a sort of shield that uh, it likes uh, to put people against each other. Well, this is a very naive interpretation. I don't know what is happening. Something is happening inside the psyche, the collective uh, psyche of the group uh, that is investigating. Only when he, uh, people is investigating that uh, those specific areas, and it happened always. Uh, except for one case and all my missions always there was something some problems of that kind not technical technicalities went very well always but it was some kind of problems between people and this is a part of the mystery uh, because uh, we created the phenomenon we co-create as you told and as you susan has been discussing a lot about the co-creation process and sometimes uh, uh, our subconscious explodes without our conscious realize, and uh, it can happen that too. But uh, we now know, I now know, and so everything is in control. And uh, uh, and they will do new missions, of course. And they want to go again to to the to California. Why not? No, well, maybe we should set something up. I don't know how I could be helpful, but I, I would certainly like oh, to. No. Oh, you can carry me just. Uh, above a paraglider and I will <laughs> <laughs> at night uh, please use a terrain following radar because we don't want to crash again the moment mountains and I, I have an idea of a new super super camera which is about ten thousand dollars which is the Olympus high speed camera which is able to take uh, um, now in the version of now one million frame per second mm. Because I want to look inside, analyzing frame by frame if, if there is some kind of code, periodicity, or something in those kind of lights. Because their light is never constant. It changes all the time, erratically, sometimes periodically. And I think the mystery is just inside. It's just like to make a, a, a surgery inside the inside the heart and to see what is inside. Uh, I like to very much to look at the micros microscope uh, in, in the things. And uh, I hope I have enough life for that. But I have a lot of projects uh, that are ready uh, to be realized. Only, only if money we, is coming. Is coming. 
Yeah, that's that's a problem with a lot of people. And then they go, you know, cyber begging too, which doesn't it you that used to be promising. Now there's just so many people asking for money that it's spread very thin and the people that are you know, the companies that do it are kind of greedy and it it's just become like anything else where uh, yeah. Something had a great promise, and now it's it's become so commercialized, and so many people have their fingers in the pie that you have to go back to maybe you know I've got to go to a conference, not me, but you have to go to a conference and meet some financial angel that just says, okay, as long as I'm as long as I'm in on the project here, you, here's your two million dollars. But that you know, the, how often does that happen? I am very sure it's not a, a lack of humbleness, but uh, I'm very sure because I know what I know. I know what I've done. I'm very conscious of that, that if Robert Bigelow knew me, he wouldn't be disappointed. And because mm-hmm. I have uh, several uh, ready projects uh, to present uh, to him, which are all only scientific, and <clears throat> I am very determined to go on up to, up to the last moment of my life because I, will, uh, uh, I wanted to take data but as I told you, it's the data regarding only the tip of the iceberg, because uh, uh, I'm starting to realize what is the whole iceberg, which is not uh, something rational, which is something that has to do, like uh, Susan says, with chaos and with uh, with the tricksters, uh, and uh, we have to control over all of them, and so we have to have a very special capability that uh, go beyond the capability of a scientist. You have to be a scientist and something else at the same time. Yeah. Um, you can't come at it directly because it, it will show you what you want if you come at it directly. That's I, I've got a T-shirt okay. that says mimic the obliqueness of the subject because I think oh, that's okay. what's going on. You know, <laughs> if, you, if you try to take it apart with, a, with the tools, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart in the way that the tools that you used told it to fall apart. So you have to come at it in another way, which it sounds like that's what you're doing. Absolutely. Do you? Uh, I always let the guest pick the music. Do you want me to send you? Do you want to send me a file or a, a link to one of your uh, compositions so I can play it at the end? Um. Well, maybe I I can send you a composition, but I don't want it to look to be uh, too much egotistic. Uh, if you want, it's more simple. You, or I can play uh, Tangerine Dream if you want. I just I've, I've played music by some of my guests uh, at the end of the shows, which actually people like. They like hearing the other part of that person. Yes, uh, some people la- love Tangerine Dream. Some people hate them. But I think that everyone will love any color you like by Pink Floyd, the the Dark Side of the Moon. Oh yeah, I haven't heard this album in a long time, really. It's a, it's a very it's a very old piece of the of the seventies, but it's something that uh, I will never forget. And uh, yes, I, pre, I, pre, I prefer to do so because um, if not, people think that uh, I'm inflated. You're promoting mode. yourself, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to boost myself. Everyone knows my name is uh, music name in to- is uh, music is Totem Tag. It's possible to see on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, and YouTube. Okay. On, uh, well, and against your wishes, I'll probably put a link up to that. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Thank you so much for 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 this yeah, time. I guess you. it's kind of late there now. What is it? Almost. Uh, 10 uh, it's not so late. It's uh, 
12 to 10, so it's not late. Oh, okay. It's, it's late for an oldie like me, but it's not late at all. And I, it was. Uh, I don't think we're was, too far apart in age, actually. <laughs> it was. Uh, I'm making irony about myself. And, uh, well, no, it's not so late. It was a pleasure for me, and you. Um, you are you you ask me very very stimulating questions which trigger ideas and uh, thank you very much it was an honor and a pleasure uh, for me uh, to to speak with you and for uh, your podcast radio thank you so much dr teodorani i will uh, and I, you know what we'll we'll talk again soon either on the show or off the show and uh uh, thanks again. Here's here's Pink Floyd. Let's see if you can hear it. Oh, there it is. Yes. Oh yeah. Let me turn Perfect. it on. Right. 